Okay, good evening, everybody. The topic this evening is the end of Kiruv. This has been a, a topic of conversation in the Jewish world and the Kiruv world for over a decade. As we see, the, uh, the trend seems to be changing. Obviously, the American experience is a very complex one many generations away from real Jewish uh, origins. You'll have college boys and girls who could be 18, 19, 20, and have really no exposure whatsoever to authentic Judaism. And therefore the question, the debate, has been raging. How does that change the approach to Kiruv are we less optimistic now than we were in the 1980s and the 1990s uh, when there was this time of real uh, vision and, and there was a, a sense of uh, encouragement in the Jewish world? People were changing their lives. People were being mukurov, uh, coming closer through professional Kiruv people, Eshetorah um, or Sameach, many of the classic institutions. I don't want to really get into that subject of debate. That is not our area of expertise. But I would like to spend some time briefly on exploring the basic idea of Kiruv and how in a community setting we can be as effective as possible. There is an article in the Mishpacha magazine going back uh, 2013 where they were interviewing a fellow who went on the program that actually many of Rabbi Goldstein's guys go on. It's the Lakewood Fellowship Program, where students spend a week in Lakewood, and they're with families, and they have a Shabbos experience, and they get the real taste of what it means to be part of a tzibor, part of a from community. And uh, one person said, we share Tfilos, Sudos, and Zmiros with the Lakewood community. I guess if he knew those words, he was already farther along in the process. They made us part of their homes and part of their Shabbos, a part of their extended family. I said to myself, I was afraid to come here, but now it will pain me even more to leave this wonderful place. So you have wonderful, charismatic, very talented individuals who can inspire and motivate others to change. But ultimately, the greatest tool we have as a nation to be makarev, to bring others closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu and closer to Torah, is the power of a community. There is an article that we've also mentioned in the past from Rabbi Yilan Feldman, who's the the rabbi in Beth Jacob in Atlanta, where he writes that sadly there's an open secret known to those who practice outreach to effectively inspire people to become observant. The effort must be done in isolation from the established Orthodox community. Kiruv needs its own environment, as in retreats or hotel Shabbatones, but don't bring your recruits into the established Orthodox community. Well, there may be many wonderful and devoted members of the Frum community who are quite effective in connecting to possible returnees. Frum communities as cultures are simply not conducive to outreach. 
The reason for this is not that our communities fail to exemplify devotion and passion or even inspired living. Our communities as communities just don't exemplify responsibility. They may exemplify commitment, but it stops there. Now, this is obviously a very broad statement, and I don't have the, uh, the bikiyas, you know, the wealth of knowledge to, to know what's actually happening in every Jewish community around the, uh, the globe. But the point he's making here, to whatever extent it's true, is startling. If it's really the case that we can't bring in people to an established Jewish community because it's just not the right environment, we're not going to approach them, we're not going to embrace them, they're going to feel awkward. Obviously, they're always going to feel somewhat awkward if they're going into a space that's very different and you have people wearing hats and davening. That itself is strange. But if we don't have that shared sense of responsibility to, to speak to these people, and even saying the term these people, right? to speak to our fellow brothers and sisters and make sure that they can feel as comfortable as possible, then we're failing as a community. Sometimes we view it, and I think this might be the key as to why, why we don't excel as much as we possibly can, we view it as if we're sharing something with them. I have Torah, I have Yadus, and look at me, I'm such a tzaddik, I'm going to share this with you. The starting point where there could be room for failure is viewing it as us and them. Even if the mantra is, we need to be makarev them, but as soon as there's a we and there's a them, we've already failed. It's one Klal Yisrael. It's ki'ish echad belev echad. It's not sharing something that belongs more to me, but if anything, it's giving them something back that belongs to them just as much as it belongs to me. We have in the parsha the mitzvah of HaShavas Aveda, and the Chafetz Chaim tells us that just like the Torah cares about the property of our fellow Jew, and we have to be matriach, we have to go out of our way to return someone's lost animal, says the Chafetz Chaim, Kol Yisraelis. How much more so do we need to have rachmanis, to have real compassion on our fellow brothers and sisters, shetoa min that are going away, that are straying from the derech, afilu im yitztarich omel rav l'hashivam, even if it requires a lot of work and energy and thought and strategizing and money to bring them back. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about our neighbor's donkey, then obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about our neighbor. Says the Chafetz Chaim, Be'emes bizmanenu, in our times, this is going back more than a century ago when he wrote this, Afilu chotim gemurim motzui berubam she'enim l'achis chas v'shalom. The vast majority of religious Jews, even back in Europe, more than a hundred years ago, the reason for their lack of participation or connection with Yadus was not based on a philosophy. It wasn't because they were heretics or they denied the authenticity of Hashem lahaches out of anger. It's based on ignorance. They're toim baderich. They happen to be straying off the path. 
They don't know how to go back home. And therefore, It is a massive mitzvah. It is our obligation to teach them to the best of our abilities how to come back home. He says, you have many people with a strong Torah background. Maybe they learned in yeshiva. Maybe they went to Beis Yaakov and seminary. He says, they have the capacity to be Roe Yisrael, to be really the shepherds, the leaders of Kalal Yisrael. Yesh bekochem shever amenu. They have the ability to heal all of the destruction that we have in our nation if they focus on it, if they have that sense of responsibility that it's not me and you, I'm not sharing something that's more mine than yours. It's our Torah, it's our life, it's ke'ish echad, belev echad. If I have to return my neighbor's animal, then I have to return my neighbor back home as well. And even the Torah I'm sharing with you, again, that word is really inappropriate. It's a mitzvah of hashavah seveda. Morosha kilas Yaakov means that every single neshama has their own chalik, their own connection, their own unique portion in the Torah. So if I'm able to teach you anything, it's not my Torah I'm giving to you. I'm giving you back something that's rightfully yours. So the, the mitzvah of Kirov, although it falls under the category of many different potential mitzvahs and, and obligations, I think one very powerful concept is to realize it's, it's Hashavah Saveda. It's returning something that belongs to you. Now often we make a distinction between Kiruv Krovim and Kiruv Rechokim. Kiruv Rechokim means um, going out there, trying to encourage and inspire people with very little background to come closer to, uh, to Judaism. And Kiruv Krovim we generally associate with people who are already somewhat in the Froom orbit, if we could inspire them and bring them even closer than they were before, that's also a mila. that's a beautiful thing. We had in the beginning of last week's Parsha, when it explains Yisro's journey to meet up with Moshe Rabbeinu, Pasek says that he went El Hamidbar to the desert. And Rashi explains that this is actually a praise to Yisro. That he was living in Midian, he was wealthy, he had everything, he had control, he had prestige. But his heart compelled him to go to the desert, a place where there is absolutely nothing. For what reason? Why leave everything behind? Because he wanted to hear words of Torah. He was so... So mevakesh emis. He wanted truth. He was willing to leave everything behind and change his life radically. As soon as he gets there, what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe tells Yisro all of the miracles that took place and he elaborates upon them. For what purpose, says Rashi, quoting the same source, the Mechilta, Limshoch es libo lekarvo letorah to draw in the heart of Yisro, to bring him closer to Torah. Moshe, why are you wasting your time trying to bring Yisro closer to Torah? You have to be limshoch es libo? 
It was that same lei, his heart compelled them to leave everything behind, to look like a complete fool at any family gathering that he's not willing to give his cousin a hug anymore. He's doing everything. He's already from. Moshe felt it was necessary. If there's any more inspiration I could possibly inject into you to bring you even closer, no matter how on fire you might be, that is a chov gamor, that's an obligation. That's an example of Kirov Krovin. And, and I've heard this many times from people who were balei tshuva. They were very into things in the beginning and very inspired. And then once they made that leap of faith and they found themselves in the Frum world, it almost appeared that I'm not getting that same chizik. I'm not getting that same encouragement. Things are not nearly as compelling as they were when people were trying to convince me to become Frum. So the, the notion of Kirov Krovim is not an afterthought, but just as important perhaps as Kirov Rechokim, we have to focus on being Makarev everybody and anybody, no matter how inspired they may be, they don't become second-class citizens. They're not off our radar so we could focus on the, the front-line people who are not yet connected. The Chiyuv Kirov is across the board. The Chazonish writes in a letter, speaking about the, uh, the need within a yeshiva, Obviously, we're talking about from people. But within a yeshiva, the requirement of the older bachrim to make sure to learn with the younger bachrim. It's clear that nowadays, to save one child, not to save him from the secular college campus and bring him to the yeshiva, but even within the yeshiva setting to enable him to steig, to really know how to read the Gemara well, to feel good about himself, to accomplish in learning. It's not any different than saving a child who's drowning in the water. If you could jump in and save a life, you were mechuyiv to do so. Don't stand by idly. And according to the age of this child, and according to his capacity, it's possible just through a little extra time. Ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there, making sure he feels comfortable in a new setting, trying to, to make him feel that he knows what he's doing, or it's okay that you don't know what you're doing, we're all finding our place, giving him some of the, the foundations of the sugiya that he's learning, Bizman Katzer, in a short amount of time, you could create a Godel B'Torah. You can transform this person. However, what is, what is the requirement? What do we need to do? The only thing it needs is for me to care and for me to take the time to make sure that not only am I understanding what I'm learning, not only do I feel good about my accomplishments, but I want you to feel good about your accomplishments. And if you need help, I want to be there to help you. Now the truth is, one could argue, in a sense, every aspect of Kiruv is really Kiruv Rechokim. Some have more of a connection, some are Shomer Torah Mitzvot, some have less of a connection. But Rabbi Yisrael Salanta writes, in the third letter of the Or Yisrael, 
He says, Va'ata, if we look around and we analyze ourselves honestly and we analyze the state of the Jewish people, im nechapes matzavenu, and we look into our situation, rechokim nachnu ma'od mimirka zachayim, we're so distant from the mirka zachayim, from the source of life. Avodaseinu, we might be involved with the voda, and I'm doing mitzvos, baruch Hashem, but writes Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Lola Hashem he. We could be so far removed from anything close to the ideal of what pure, authentic Avodas Hashem could look like. Rov ha'itim Rov, the majority of the time, we're wandering in darkness, we're lost. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing, potentially. But it very much becomes, like we spoke about last week, a selfish pursuit. Our entire ruchnias, our entire spirituality can be very much betzimtzum, a narrow-minded, small avoda. So all kiruv, in a sense, is really kiruv rechokim, because we're all so far away from the person we could be. When I'm inspired to help somebody else, that form of chesed is the most powerful, transformative chesed that any human being can possibly do. Chesed, we usually think along the lines of making a meal, helping somebody out, inviting them for Shabbos, being mevaker chola, visiting somebody. And these are all wonderful examples of chesed. But writes the altar of Slabotka in the Arat Safon, he says that to really be mative, to really bestow good upon another Jew, is lachayos as nafsho lasos imo chesed ruchani. To be able to do chesed in a spiritual sense for someone else. Lahaskilo, to teach him something. Lelamdo das ubina lehosif bohakara vedas alokim. Not necessarily to convince you that there is a God. Maybe you already believe that. And you were raised with that basic amuna. But, lehosif lo hakara, if I could even add more of a clarity, more of a recognition, more of a, of a sense of devekis hanefesh, that's the greatest chesed I could possibly do for another human being. Ki halo kol ha'adam, this is what life is all about. Ikur chesed hu'rach b'ruach u'benefesh, the main, the main injection of chesed is b'ruach u'benefesh, what I could do for you spiritually. He says, every other chesed is bound by time and space. I could give you money, I could feed you, I could get you a job, and we're here for a few years and then we're no longer around. If I could somehow inspire you, if I could be makayim the mitzvah of Hashavah Veda and return to you that which rightfully is yours and bring you closer to help you bring yourself closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that's a chesed that will last forever. That's nitzchias. I'm giving you eternity. Now, many people, when it comes to the, the topic and conversation of Kiruv, there's somewhat of a feeling of, it's just, it's not my thing. It's not for me. You know, Baruch Hashem, there have been many uh, initiatives out there Project Inspire and other wonderful programs. But I think much of us still feel 
Listen, Baruch Hashem, I, I try to go to Minyan, I'm Kavei Itim, I have my, my set times for learning. Um, I'll support different organizations to the best of my financial ability. But the whole thing, Kiruv, and inviting people over for Shabbos, and it's not me. The only problem with that logic is that if I were to say that, that means I'm completely missing the very point of creation. That's the only problem with that logic. I want to share with you just a few lines from the Chassam Sofer. And the Chassam Sofer, in a fairly well-known piece, he speaks about the, the reason why we're here. Doesn't get more fundamental than this Chassam Sofer. Why did a Kaddish Baruch Hu create human beings? So he says, we go back to Avram Avinu and we study his evolution. Avram was not perhaps as spiritually lofty as some of the other giants who came before him. Hanoch, for example, he raised himself to the level of a Malach Hashem to the point where he was no longer able to stay within the confines of the physical world. He evaporated into Ruchnius. Avram never evaporated. He was a regular human being dealing with regular people and their struggles. So explains the Chassam Sofer getting into the mind of Avram Avinu. Ki hisbonein b'chachmaso Avram understood. Ki lo Hashem she'yashli ma'adim es This is not what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us. He does not want us to focus only on ourselves, our own ruchnius, our own achievements and to leave other people behind, not caring where and, and how they're doing. Avram understood that it's ideal, even at the sacrifice, potentially, of my own hashlomas hanefesh, and working on myself, if I can contribute to the kavod shemayim, I could add to the kiddush Hashem, through helping others come closer to Hashem, because, says the Chassam Sofer, let's say theoretically, I was able to emulate the ways of Chanoch, and I became a Malach Hashem. What did I do for the world? What did I give to a Kaddish Baruch There are billions and billions of Malachim. And they're singing Shira and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is creating Malachim and we're creating Malachim every single second of our lives. Okay, Shkoyach, poof, another Malach. Shalom Aleichem, welcome to the world of angels. What are you doing for the world? What are you doing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? What are you doing for humanity? Avram said, Hashem has enough angels. He needs human beings. He needs Bosser Vadam, mortal men and women, to be able to inspire others. He says, before the Neshama came down to this world, right, this is a conversation that we all had before we were placed into the body. The vision of the neshama, so to speak, was able to see everything with a different level of clarity and, and truth 
as to what's actually happening in this mysterious universe. Beboel gufa adam, and then this neshama is forced into this gufa adam to the human being's body. And suddenly we're blocked by the, the chomer, by the, the physicality, by the darkness of this world. So what's the neshama thinking? As soon as that little baby comes out and it's crying and everyone's so happy, why is the baby crying? Right? The neshama is saying, why am I here? Why are you putting me through this? Send me back home. I'm so confined, I'm so limited. Lazo Vesbesaviha Veterid Poloim Lihistapeyah Birigve offer Minadova Minhadama to leave the house of my father, to leave the, the Kiseya Kavod, to be here wallowing in the mud of Olam Hazeh. What am I doing here? The answer, says the Chasam Sofer. Tovla Litsam Sem Ora, it's beneficial for the Neshama to be placed in this world, even though it will, by definition, be mitzamtzim, limit the light temporarily. In order for this neshama to have the experience to come to shleimus, to arrive at a state of, of wholesomeness, in order to emulate the yotzer, the bore, the creator of the universe. How do we emulate Hashem through being placed in this physical realm? Because here we have the unique opportunity, Leos Minhamashpiim Lazulasa. In this world, we can be Mashpia. We can influence somebody else. We could enlighten, we can share love, we can inspire, we can uplift. This is the one thing that heaven does not have to offer. The one thing we have here in Olam Hazeh that we will never have again, we never had before, and we will never have again, is the ability to be a mashpia, to inspire, to infuse light. What is the, the reality in Shemayim? Explains the Chassam Sofer. In Shemayim and Olam Haba, we are limited. We're unlimited. But being unlimited makes us limited in the sense that we're not mashpia. We cannot give to anybody besides ourselves. We're in the bechina, we're in the category of a makabel. I'm only receiving. Lehonos meziv shechinaso. I'm receiving from the infinite light of Hashem. And we can't imagine a pleasure greater than that. But I can't give. Only in this world can I give. That's what Avram Avinu understood about the very fabric of creation. So to say, listen, Kiruv is not for me, it's not my thing, it might very well be true. You have to know how we can contribute in, in a healthy, productive way to do something that is totally foreign to you. You're probably not going to be effective. But to say it's not my thing basically means I have no clue as to why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me. Hashem created me to be makarev, to be mashpia on others. And if I don't utilize my short time here doing that, then my purpose in creation has been nullified. This doesn't mean that we necessarily have to give classes and uh, inspire people with our, our wonderful thoughts on Torah. 
Some people have that ability, some people don't. Some people think they do and they really don't. There are many different types of people. But it's interesting to note that we say in the bracha of Avarabba, the bracha right before Shema, is we daven Hashem should help us, lil modalalamed, to learn and to teach. Lil modalalamed. So Ramosha Feinstein was bothered by the question, I don't get it. If a rabbi is saying this bracha, if a Rosh Hashiva is saying this tefillah, if a Mora Rebbe is saying this tefillah, obviously you want to daven Hashem should help you both in your learning and your teaching. But how about for the vast majority of people who are not teachers in any official capacity? I'm an accountant. I'm a plumber. I'm a mommy. I'm not really officially a Rebbe or a Mora. Explains Moshe Feinstein. Sha'ayyadeh ha-mitzvos ha-maisim tovim shekol adam osa Teaching others is not about what I'm saying, my speech, my drasha, standing in a classroom. Even as a parent, it's not limited to trying to, to impart the chinuch and the chachmas Torah. More than anything, the teaching that we can accomplish is through how we live our life. We daven the Kaddish Baruch Hu, help us to learn, to understand, myself to understand the Torah HaKadosha, and to teach others. Through my tefillah, through my own learning, through my interactions with my friends and my family, I want to be a source of inspiration. That's what we're davening for. I don't have to be eloquent. I don't have to be charismatic. I don't have to know the answers to the difficult philosophical questions. I have to want to inspire you, and I have to daven. Baruch Hu should give me siyat ha-dishmaya lil in whatever way I possibly can. If you had to choose one name of a personality of a giant throughout history who was the most effective uh, kiruv professional of all time, what name comes to mind? So Baruch Hashem we have in the cover over here, right? Rabbi Shlomo Karabach. But I wasn't thinking of this name, actually. So we have, in our generation, many amazing people who devoted their lives to, to spreading the, the Or HaTorah, the Eish HaTorah. But if you want to go back into history and ask who was the most successful Kiruv Mashpi of all time, the answer is... Yoshiyahu HaMelech. Yoshiyahu. The Pasuk tells us, It's explicit in the Pasuk in Malachim that there was never anyone as great as Yoshiyahu in his ability to bring others to tshuva, to bring others closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Not before him and not after him. Chizkiah, for example, is also mentioned in Sefer Molochim as one of the greatest kings of all time. But that, the Malbim says, is that's in regards to his bitachon. He was in a league of his own with his faith and his reliance on Hashem. But Yoshiahu, he was the master of Kiruv. He created the greatest tshuva movement of all time. What was it that led him to bring others back? 
What, what gave him the ability to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, saving people and returning their Torah to them? And there's a famous Medrash Agadol that says it was based on a story that many of us are familiar with, based on the kin that we have in Tishabov. The Medrash Agadol says that Chilkia the Kohen found the Sefer Torah, and the Sefer Torah was open to the Pasuk, Ora Shiloyakum. Curse is the one who does not uphold the Torah. And Chilkiah the Kohen Gadol showed this, this miracle to Yoshiahu. Look, we found the Sefer Torah, and, and look what Pusik it's open to. And the first thing that Yoshiahu did is he tore Kriya, and he said, Aleinu lahakim, which literally means, it is on us to uphold the Torah. Curses the one who doesn't stand up and, and, and uphold the Torah. Said Yoshiahu, Aleinu Lahakim. It's our responsibility to do so. And this was the key to his Hatzlacha. How can anyone ever be Matzliach in the endeavor of bringing others or inspiring others closer to Torah? There has to be a sense of Achrayas. Last week when we defined the community and we explained the difference between a group of Jews living together and a group of Jews that form a tzibor is achrayas. I'm responsible for you, you're responsible for me, and there's an overall vision of we're responsible for Klal Yisrael. We have an achrayas to humanity. I have to feel that if someone is different if someone doesn't have the connections or the, the, the background that I do, it's not just, it's a mitzvah, we should invite him for Shabbos, it's a nice thing, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. It's a leinu lahakim. this is our achrayis, it's our responsibility. We can't leave it to the kiru professionals, there's way too much to be done and there's too little time to do it. A leinu lahakim. In the introduction to the Sefer, Chovas Talmidim, the Eish Kodesh, shares a similar idea speaking about the situation in his own time, in the early 1900s. He says, the truth is, you'll have even leaders of yeshivos, which Baruch Hashem, I think nowadays this is probably not the case. We have a lot more of an understanding of the, uh, I guess, the global challenges that we face. But the Eish Kodjer said in his experience, you'll have people who are leading institutions and they have their Talmidim, but the only people they're really interacting with are their wonderful, budding Torah scholars, their students. And they could comfort themselves saying, it's true, there are many Jews who are not from, many uh, who don't appreciate the Emes uh, Yisrael, But we're not alone, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. Because Baruch Hashem, look at all these beautiful Talmidim who are steiging and learning and growing in Torah. Says the Eish Kodesh, Ava Yoshitu no Eila es Rosham Chutz me Arba Amo Shel Yeshivo Sehem. But if they would peek their heads out of the Dalit Amos of their Yeshivos, Vayiru no es Hamon Hagodol Hachovshim Rachmon Lelitzlon, and they would see and understand and appreciate the masses of our brothers and sisters who have no connection to Torah, 
they would have a very different picture. Explains the Eish Kodesh, we can never feel a sense of nechama, a feeling of comfort, that Baruch Hashem, we have our firm community, and it's steiging, and we're growing, and we have more yeshivas now than we've ever had before, and there's more, to- more Torah learning. These are all things to express tremendous hakaras HaTov, and we thank Hashem for this, this renewal of, of Klal Yisrael and Limud HaTorah. But to live a life with our head in the sand and not recognizing that the vast majority of Klal Yisrael is more and more detached than it's ever been, that's a leinu lahakim. That has to be our job. That's our responsibility to do what we can. How do we inspire others? Again, this is really a question for people who devote their lives to this, and there's a lot of chachma and strategy. But I want to share with you some of the guiding principles that I think are shavalachal nefesh that apply really across the board. Rabbi, not a rabbi, doesn't make a difference. These are some of the guiding principles. The first step is that sometimes we feel in order to really attract people to Torah, we need to be very creative, which is for sure true. And uh, we have to be uh, savvy. We have to know how to speak to people and relate to people and make the Torah or make the, the environment we're trying to get them to something that seems appealing. But to play games with the Torah to do anything that would represent authentic Torah in, in a crumb way, in a twisted or a warped reality, just to be able to hopefully get someone to come to my thing. Lozu haderech, this is not the hashkafas Torah. And even if theoretically we could prove based on stats and numbers that if you play these kinds of games, you'll get more boys into the room and potentially have more of an opportunity to inspire them, that makes no difference. Because within this conversation, the mantra we need to repeat to ourselves over and over again is, Lo alecha molacha ligmor. We have an achrayis. But the ends will never justify the means. We have to do it according to Das Torah. We have to be ehrlich and authentic Jews. Ramosha Feinstein writes, he says, this is actually the praise that the Torah gave to Moshe and Aaron. When uh, Moshe and Aaron uh, followed the tzivui of Hashem, the instructions of Hashem, the Pasuk tells us in Parshas Bo, Chein Asu, that they did. Rashi says, they meaning not only did Klal Yisrael listen, but also even Moshe and Aaron listened. What does that mean, even Moshe and Aaron listened? Of course they listened. They're the ones who gave the command. So says Moshe Feinstein, often we'll find people who are motivated to inspire or change lives. So, they might explore or discover certain ways of attracting students that may not be in line with, with Das Torah. And they make the mistake in thinking if we can be more lenient than the halacha allows for, or we could say something that might not really be the, the appropriate way of speaking, or have a flyer that's showing something that, that should not be coming out of a Torah institution, but this will be helpful, this will get more people, says Ramosha, that's a toast, that's a mistake. 
Moshe and Aaron, Doegim Ovid Kol Echad Ve'echad Lekarvu Le'Hashem Le'Teroso. What was the greatest desire of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKohen? Just to bring people closer to Hashem. No agenda, no other motivation, just to bring people closer to Hashem. And therefore, they would be as creative as possible. The Pasuk saying, the Asu. But they didn't do anything outside the realm of Das Torah. Because the ends never justify the means. So step number one is how do we inspire? The answer is, we should be Shoal Eitzah, we should ask questions and seek guidance. Because no matter how amazing this uh, shear or this gathering could be, if it's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to present, it doesn't represent Torah and its values in the, in the appropriate way, that's not the Ratzon Hashem. Unconditional love is something that's probably the most powerful tool to be mashpia, right? to influence others. The Mishnah tells us, Oheb esabrios umakarvan l'Torah, we're commanded to love humanity, umakarvan l'Torah, and to bring them closer to Torah. Rechaim Shmulevitz quotes from Rebelezer Yudel Finkel that these are not two separate concepts, but Oheb esabrios, the Mishnah is telling us, through loving people unconditionally, that brings them closer to Torah. That's the vehicle of Kiruv. Now, unconditional love, right? usually we think about it in the context of, I don't love you for external reasons, but I love you for who you are. Unconditional love in the conversation of Kiruv needs to mean, I love you even if I don't think you'll ever become from. I'm not smiling at you right now just to get you to change your life. Of course I want that more than anything because I love you. And like the altar of Slobodka told us, that's the Iker Chesed. But if I'm doing it only to bring you into Judaism, that's conditional love. <coughs> I love you because you're at Selim Elokim, because you're, you're, you're my brother. And even if I had a prophecy that you will never change your life and you will never take the necessary steps to be Shomer Torah Mitzvos, I still love you. That's unconditional love. And then we have genuine respect. And there's a famous comment of the Rebbeinah Yonah where he writes that Aaron HaKohen, the way he would inspire others is if he felt that someone was having a hard time, he was struggling with something in his own Ruchnius, he would befriend him, and uh, they would be close. What would that do for the person? So explains there Ben Yonah, the next time this person is by himself and, and the Nisayon presents itself, he thinks as follows. Aaron is my good friend. He's, in, my, in, in his eyes, he thinks that I'm a kosher, I'm an Adam kosher. I'm a good guy. I'm an Ehrlich guy. I'm an honest guy. He values me. He respects me. And if he knew what I was doing, he'd be disappointed in me. Right? Not that he's going to punish me. Not that, not that he's going to look down at me. But he'll be disappointed in me because he values who I am. He's machshiv me. That's, that's genuine respect. If I respect you as a human being, as my brother or my sister, that goes a long way. 
that itself is Makariv Latorah. I think the third condition here, besides the unconditional love, the genuine respect, is an unwavering faith in the receptivity of every neshama. Watering down Torah, right, besides the issue that Ramosha Feinstein told us is, you know, being careful not to warp things, not to twist things, but don't, don't underestimate how receptive someone can be to real Torah. Not everything has to be fluff. Not everything has to be cute. Not everything has to be something that, that you would just share in, in a very laid-back setting. Get into the Torah. Ask a question. Discover the answer together. Analyze the Ramban. What's the Ramban saying? The Sorno tells us that Noah, he gave tochacha, the Gemara says, that Noah gave harsh rebuke to his generation for years upon years, but they didn't listen to him. What did Noah not do? What did he fail to do? Says the Svorno, even though he was mochiach, lohoro osom ledas hakel yisborach veleleches bedrochav, Noah didn't teach the people to appreciate and emulate the ways of the divine. So he was giving harsh criticism, he was giving very strong rebuke, but he wasn't inspiring them to follow the ways of Hashem. Why didn't he? That itself is strange. Why wouldn't Noah do that? So clearly the answer is, is because he didn't have faith that they would be receptive to that message. That's too subtle, that's too deep, that's too refined. They're, they're living in this, in this world of Tumah. They're not going to be able to relate to it. And therefore, he just tried to bring on the fire and brimstone, but that didn't work. But says the Svorno, if he would have had more faith in the neshama, in being receptive and listening and wanting truth, then perhaps they would have actually changed their lives. People want truth more than they and themselves know. Shiva used to say that although the goal is to learn for many years as much as we possibly can, it's always with the vision of bringing that Torah to others, of being makayim the mitzvah of hashavas haveda. Not sharing what I have, but giving you what's rightfully yours. And he used to say that although we may not believe it, and although people out there may not feel it, they're, they're, they're yearning for it. You have to be, you have to be creative, but they're, they're yearning for truth. Don't water it down. I think the last component here, and then we'll uh, call it a night for this evening, is the urgency of tefillah. Right? Tefillah is something that we can never underestimate. Its power, its effectiveness. The Ramchal tells us in the Mesil Tisharim that one of the qualities of a chassid, somebody who really cares about others, a chassid comes from the word chassid, Chasidus is based on chesed. Is that shitzarech shiyaseh bekavanas avodaso, that well we're involved with our own avodas Hashem, we're thinking about others. Vigam betfiloso bepoel, and directly when I'm davening, dahainu shiyispalel al doro, that I'm davening for my generation, for those people who could use some chizik, who could use some encouragement, 
call them rechokim, call them krovim. It's really all kiruv rechokim. I'm allowed to, and I'm obligated to daven to Hashem to please inspire people to come to tshuva. If I have a family member that's struggling, obviously I'm going to do as much as I possibly can to work with him and to help him. But I can't not daven. That's part of the hishtadlis as well. The Ramchal says that you should realize, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how much does Hashem love you? Right? How powerful is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love for you? It depends how much you love Klal Yisrael. The mashal the Ramchal gives is a father to his child. The more you love my child, the more naturally I feel connected with you. Right? Lahavdil. Lahavdil elif havdalos. If somebody is walking a dog... What's the best way to get on their good side? Right? How cute. Such a cute little dog. Is that a boy or a girl? How old is she? Right? Even though you might not really care. But okay, it's my dog. And, and you value my dog. When we value our brothers and sisters, that means in Kadosh Baruch Hu's eyes, we're cherishing his children. How much does Hashem love me? It really depends on how much I love you. So I think the, the realization as we walk away is that individuals can do a lot, but through a community, a community that's built upon responsibility for being makare, for making people feel as comfortable and embraced and welcomed as possible, that is the most powerful tool we have. The mitzvah of Kiruv is the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda. It is the ultimate chesed we could ever do. It's a chesed that's not limited to time and space, but it's lenitzchis, it's forever. To ever say that this is not my thing means I'm in denial of the purpose of my own existence. Says the Chassam Sofer, we are all here to be makariv, to be mashpia, to influence others. I don't have to be a teacher, I don't have to know answers to questions, but I have to daven and want to inspire you through my hanhaga, through my own avodas Hashem. Lilmod ulilamed. We don't have to be rabbis, we don't have to be anything in any official capacity. The person who was probably most influential in my own life, in my beginning stages when I was 13, 14, getting more into Tiyadus, was a good friend of the family, Mark Firestone. Mark Firestone does not have the word rabbi before his name. Right? He was an insurance salesman. He is an insurance salesman. But it was just a sense of achrayas. It was following, it was emulating that, that hargosha of Yoshioha Melech. Aleinu lahakim. It's not their job, it's our job. It's not us and them, it's us together as Klal Yisrael. Real Torah needs to be shared. We can never underestimate the receptivity of a neshama. People respond to Torah, people respond to truth. People are moved by genuine, unconditional love. I love you whether or not you're going to change your life. I love you because you're my brother. I respect you because you're at Selim Elohim. And the urgency of tefillah, we should all daven, that a Kadosh Baruch should help us through our teaching and through our behavior, through our avodas Hashem, to inspire ourselves and those around us. Shkoyach.